Pastors Larry and Tiz Huck welcome you to this weekly Torah study from New Beginnings Church in Bedford, Texas, taught by Pastor Scott Sigmund. We pray this message will help you better understand how God's Old Testament wisdom and New Testament revelation are meant to jointly fit together. So uh, we uh, welcome you to Torah study today. Uh, I'm Pastor Scott Sigmund, and uh, it's a great day today for many reasons. Uh, This is the seventh day of the Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, very symbolic. Uh, uh, The the, uh, seventh day is the day of completion. This is the day Jesus stood in the temple as everyone from around the world had gathered together uh, and uh, and said uh, during the water libation ceremony, if you come to me, I'll give you living water. And then later when they lit the big giant 70-foot menorahs uh, to light up all of Jerusalem, he said and declared, I am the light of the world. And so uh, a lot of uh, what we believe on the Christian side of Judeo-Christianity is many of these things migrated and elevated from uh, a, um, a symbol like the menorah, uh, uh, into the real thing. That everything that God gave to Moses symbolically was always meant to point us to the living Word, the living Messiah. Uh, Now, uh, Jews have a different opinion by and large, not everyone, but... Uh, This is our Christian side of things, and we're not doing anything or saying anything we pray that would somehow separate us or defame or discredit or whatever. Uh, We love uh, uh, the Jewish people. We are standing with Israel, and we're trying to interpret things through a New Testament without dishonoring the Old Testament. And so hopefully that's happening in many, many ways at New Beginning. So if you're watching by Zoom and you're one of our Jewish brothers and sisters, we love you. We honor and respect everything that you preserve for uh, uh, 4,000 years going back to Abraham and 3,500 years going back to Moses. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Uh, All you've done and given us, we love you. Amen. So, uh, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, Sukkot, is the seventh and final feast of the Lord God gave in Leviticus 23. And because it's the seventh and final feast, even though, you know, there's Hanukkah and Purim came later, uh, but this seventh feast of the Lord represents completion, God's perfect number, number seven. Uh, It's the fulfillment of a process that God instituted at the first feast, Passover. In Exodus 12, God said, Passover will be the beginning of months for you. And so, uh, even though Rosh Hashanah is considered a new year, Passover is considered the spiritual new year. 
And so there's different New Year's in any society, and it's true in biblical society. And so, uh, beginning in Passover... God ordained for a process of redemption and salvation and deliverance and transformation. That it would progressively happen. This is what it means like in Philippians 2 where uh, Paul teaches the Philippians and all of us, work out your salvation. Well, I thought all I had to do was be the thief on the cross and that covered it all. Well, that covers part of it, eternal life. That's the most important part. Because if you get into heaven on the hair of your chinny-chin-chin, that's a good thing. (laughs) You might not be happy with what you hear once you get there. Why did you squander and waste all these opportunities I kept bringing your way? And uh, and so on. Now, we don't do anything to earn that. It's by faith. I'm trusting God that that sacrifice He gave, the once and forever sacrifice of Jesus Christ, covers every sin. It breaks every curse. Uh, but there's things after that. If the thief on the cross hadn't died, if he came to, and he lived out another 10, 20 years, is he supposed to be the same guy he was on the cross? Or is he supposed to transform? Is he supposed to work out his salvation? Is he supposed to be a little bit different this year than he was last year? Well, if it's true for him, it's true for us. And this is what's revealed in the feasts. It's a lifelong journey of spiritual growth. And each of the feasts have a unique theme embedded in it that we're supposed to focus on, glean from, and understand how do I adapt and absorb that into my life so it helps me to be a better believer. How many of you like the idea of being believing believers? How many people are going to church today that really don't believe much? They got to John 3.16 and they believe that. Beyond that, well, you know, everything's kind of fluid. <laughs> that, not, that should not be our testimony. We should be strong in the Lord. Filled with the power of the Holy Ghost. Letting Jesus build us into a church where the gates of hell do not prevail. Where we're more than conquerors, overcomers. Where we're walking in faith, not by sight. And on and on and on and on and on. That's a lifelong process. And every year, uh, every holiday, every feast of the Lord increases our opportunity to focus on certain qualities and to reach towards fulfilling our potential. Are you walking in your full potential right now? Probably not. None of us are. Once you're walking on water, then you've reached your full potential. Until you can uh, walk across the pool and not sink in the deep end, uh, you haven't fulfilled your full potential. Alright? So, Passover is the season of salvation and deliverance and freedom. Any time is time for salvation, deliverance, and freedom. But especially during the Passover time, which now, because of our Christian faith, we believe Jesus is the Passover Lamb, and He uh, uh, died on the cross, was resurrected on the third day during that season, so that He could bring forgiveness and breakthrough and reconnect us to all the promises of God that we were alienated from while we were living in sin. 
So when that time comes around on God's calendar, we want to stir those themes up and study on that, focus on that. Shavuot, Pentecost, is the season of the giving of the Torah and the giving of the Holy Spirit. Same deal, right? The 50 days. You remember the whole teaching on between Passover and Pentecost, Shavuot, is the Feast of Weeks, 50 days of transformation, of growth. That, that's what we're... Well, they told me when I got saved, there's nothing I have to do. <laughs> Wrong. There's lots of things you have to do. Not, not so that you earn eternal life, but so you walk in... Abundant life, a blessed life, a righteous life, a holy life. Yeah, and look, we're, we're all going to miss the mark from time to time. Sin is missing the mark. So we, God forgive us of every sin. Break every curse that's driving me the wrong way and help me to live out the divine principles of the Torah, the Bible. Fill me with the Holy Spirit, not so I can sit back and, and do nothing, but so that I'm empowered to fulfill my potential and live my destiny. Yeah? Is that okay? Not everybody in church believes that what I just said is true. But this is what New Beginnings believes, and many churches like us. It's not a bad thing. It's just a different way to understand it. Look, there's a reason why in church history they called it the Dark Ages. Right? Hundreds of years of the dark ages. Christians living in darkness. Why? Because they didn't have a revelation of the Word of God. And, and the things that people understood when Martin Luther led the Great Reformation back in the 1500s, we ought to know more than Martin Luther. <laughs> right? 500 years later, we ought to know more than what Martin Luther knows. There ought to be progressive and increasing growth and revelation. And uh, whether it's centuries or whether it's day-to-day, week-to-week, month-to-month, that's just part of the Christian life. People don't like that because it puts you on the spot. (laughs) And we don't want to be put on the spot. I want to be excused for my behavior, not held accountable for it. But that's not God's way is not to wink at it. Oh, go ahead and keep living in your sin. Keep living in the old ways. You're okay, I'm okay. That's not Christian theology, right? So uh, now uh, the grand finale has arrived. Amen? Uh, Feast of Tabernacles. The Feast of Ingathering. What in the Jewish community is called the Feast or Season of Our Joy. Why is it uh, the season of joy? Because through Passover, Pentecost, Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, we've been building spiritual momentum. And now it's all culminating to this past week. And today is the seventh day. The great Hosanna. The great seventh day of the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles. And God is saying, I've ordained this. Now that you've got everything in order, your priorities are right. You've responded to the shofar. You've, you've responded to the theme of Teshuvah. You've went through Yom Kippur. Your sins are forgiven. Curses are broken. You're reconnected. Now I can come on Tabernacles and Tabernacles with you which is what the the sukkah is all about 
Uh, when you build that temporary shelter, you, you know, the Jews will spend as much time in that temporary shelter as they can. Maybe not when it's raining. <laughs> But that's a good sign that it's raining <laughs> because Sukkot is the festival of rain. But in the Sukkah, uh, God says, I'm going to come and tabernacle with you. In fact, in Jewish wisdom, it teaches that all the great uh, uh, saints from the Old Testament, uh, Moses and Daniel and Elijah, will all come their sp- and tabernacle with you during that seven days. Kind of like what happened at the Mount of Transfiguration. So this is where uh, the fullness of joy and peace and purpose and prosperity is meant to climax and culminate. Because God's dwelling with us richly. We got a clean slate, a new beginning. Nothing hindering. Yep. So all of the feasts play an important role, don't they? In our emotional growth, our spiritual growth, in our intellectual growth. What did you learn while you were a Christian? Nothing. Oh, good. (laughs) That's smart of you. And so, uh, we talked about Elul. It started, this season started, uh, you know, over 40 days ago with the sounding of the shofar. God calling us to return. Yeah? It's teshuvah. Teshuvah means to return or repent. Elul means to search. So this season, a time of searching. Search my heart, Lord. Didn't David ask for that in Psalm 51? Search my heart and point out some things that aren't good for me so that together we can get those things out of our lives, out of my life. When did that stop? Oh, that stopped when David died. Then all of those things don't really mean anything except it's a a nice poetic uh, idea, Psalm 51. No, that all continues on to this day. That's part of the Christian lifestyle and Christian process, right? Uh, We entered the ten days of awe, Rosh Hashanah. Uh, we took the apples and honey, right? Uh, We're anticipating a great new year, right? Aren't we? Yeah. Why? Because we've been about our Father's business. We ain't been slacking. (laughs) slacker go to the ant thou sluggard somebody ought to put that in a book (laughs) oh it is it's in the bible yeah model what the ant does they're constantly working unless you call orkin which we do you know many times a year (laughs) i don't want any ants in my house but i can learn a lesson from them be about your father's business work it out right even the beatles saying we can work it out The apples and honey are kind of like taking a Shabbat on Friday night or uh, receiving communion. It's just another expression of our commitment and dedication to the things of God. Boy, and right now, while uh, there's, we're seeing all these birth pangs, the signs of the end times, man, we need to see more people dedicated to the things of God. Right? Because it's a real, the Antichrist crowd, man, they're moving and grooving, man. They're trying to overtake us. But not on our watch. We will occupy until he comes. 
right? So, yeah, on Yom Kippur, we prayed, we fasted, we, uh, uh, we renounced all of these sinful things, and we just decided, you know what, Lord? You and me form a majority, right? With you and me, nothing is impossible. I believe, and you're just going to back my belief, my faith, with signs and wonders and miracle breakthroughs. Yep, and it just, uh, so yeah, now we're here at Sukkot. And, uh, and Sukkot is supposed to be a full manifestation of the presence of God. I pray that this morning all of us experience something while we're gathered together. Uh, where two or three are gathered, imagine if two or three, imagine if two or three hundred are gathered together. And uh, the promises of God. This is what partly brings the joy, right? Uh, now one day, this divine plan that God has instituted called the Feast of the Lord, they're my feasts, He said. They're Jewish feasts, but God said they're my feasts. He didn't just give them to Israel. God bless Israel for preserving them all these uh, millenniums. But now we're entering in. One day this divine plan is going to play itself out once and forever. Yeah? Once and forever. Until then, it's an appointed time that we celebrate annually on God's divine calendar. That's what we missed in Christianity. Uh, The holy convocation that Leviticus 23 talks about really can be translated divine rehearsal. Anybody ever been uh, in the school play, in the church play, and they have before the big performance, they have what? Rehearsals. Yeah. And rehearsals are practice. Let's practice getting this right. And so the feasts are times that God has preordained and put in His calendar to practice getting things right. So what's the theme? How do I uh, incorporate that into my life? And yeah, we're not going to, well, I did that, so I'm walking on water. No, you're not. But we're a little bit closer to perfection. Be ye holy as I am holy, saith the Lord. So no one's like perfectly holy, uh, but we're doing our best. We're trying, and if we fail, we we just, you know what? Let's get up, dust ourselves off, and go back at it again. Don't run from God at those times. Run to Him. Lord, I blew it. Let's try to do it. Help me do it better next time. One of the keys that uh, that... Uh, God's given us to enter into everything that He's planned uh, is not only all this revelation, that's, that's key, revelation knowledge. My people are destroyed because of a lack of knowledge. It's not because I didn't have a big enough Bible or a big enough... I, I, I know what I'm going to do. I'm going to get across the size of that wrapper that I saw in that commercial. Uh, a Madonna-sized cross. That'll help me. <laughs> no, we need wisdom. We need knowledge. We need to know how to rightly divide the Word of the uh, living God. So... There's, that's a big part of entering into the blessing. Another is through our sacrificial offerings. Uh, 
right? There's a lot of squabble about this. People want to argue about the giving side of things. When did God say it's a good idea to be stingy and greedy? (laughs) When did God say, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid? Yeah, never. Yeah, exactly. The... uh, uh, and this is where our first fruits, three times a year, you bring a first fruit offering. The Hebrew word for offering is korban and means to draw near. So somehow spiritually embedded in when you give a sacrificial offering, it's the way God ordained to draw near. Well, why did He do it that way? <laughs> why do we... Look... Some people spend their whole life arguing with God. Bad idea. That's called having a no in your spirit. I'm going to be I'm going to make Jesus my Lord and learn how to tell him no as many times as I can this week. <laughs> no, Lord. <laughs> you know, have a yes in your spirit. Now, yeah, some of us we we've worked that out and pretty much we got that down. Other people don't have that down yet. Right? How many of you got that down? You got a yes in your... Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, yes, yes. Somebody even put it in song. Repeat that a thousand times. So, yeah, it means to draw close. And it's a way to demonstrate that we're grateful. How do you express to God that you're grateful? Through praise and worship? And through your offerings, and through just emulating the things, uh, uh, the personality, the character of Christ. Yeah, was was Christ a stingy, greedy little Messiah? No, Acts ten thirty eight. He was filled with the Holy Spirit and went about doing good, healing all that were oppressed by the devil. The doing good thing. That word in the Greek is the word that describes a benefactor, a philanthropist. Jesus went about as a benefactor, as a philanthropist, doing good to being a blessing to people, especially those that were more vulnerable, especially those that were hurting. Yeah? And so, uh, primate see, primate do. <laughs> Yeah, so uh, it's a way of bringing us uh, closer to the Lord and closer to His blessing. Yeah, nothing wrong with that. We don't want to just seek the gift. We want to seek the giver. And so it's kind of uh, uh, two sides of the same coin. Now Malachi 3, we've heard a lot about this. The most famous giving Scripture perhaps there is. Uh, Malachi 3 calls the first fruit offerings the offerings of old. And then goes on to talk about that these offerings are the offerings that open the windows of heaven. The windows of heaven just don't hover over you. And then when you finally do something right, then God opens or close, open, close, open, close. Right? It's not like your sunroof. The, the windows of heaven pass by. When Passover comes, that season passes by. 
And while that season is passing by, if we respond with wisdom, if we respond in knowledge, if we respond uh, with a sacrificial offering, the window that's passing by opens and the promises that God gives begin to pour out like rain. Not a bad deal. Same then when Pentecost comes by, Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. And aren't you glad it's not just one day? Oh, you missed it. Too bad. (laughs) God is so gracious that He gives us advance warning and the season is long. And even if you forget, He gives a 30-day grace period. (laughs) Gotta love it. Yeah, what a mighty God we serve. Amen. He's a gracious Father. Amen. And then... uh, uh, so the windows, of, I'll pour you out a blessing. There won't be room enough to receive it, and that's not enough. I'll rebuke the devourer. And uh, we'll talk a little bit more about that in just a minute. But in Hebrew, first fruits is called the bikurim offering. Bikurim, bikurim, say that, bikurim. Bikurim in Hebrew means a promise of things to come. Wow. A first fruit bikarim offering is a, I'm sowing towards promises that haven't yet come. That's a key to walking in more of the abundant life. You always sow towards your harvest. You don't eat your harvest. <laughs> what, did you sow any of your, uh, that blessing towards your next harvest? No, I ate it all. Jeff Bezos and Amazon has it all now. <laughs> I spent a thousand. I was watching uh, the football game yesterday, and this cool car, the Wagoneer, came on. And I can get a Wagoneer for five hundred and fifty dollar lease payment a month. And it's not that you know that's pretty reasonable uh, for a lease payment these days with the price of cars the way they are, but. It, they they told me that uh, on the thing in fine print, just $9,000 down. <laughs> oh, here's my $9,000 down so I can drive a car. So I'll give all of that to uh, uh, who makes the Wagoneer? Yeah, the Jeep company. I'll give them all that money, but I'll argue with God and the preacher about a first fruits offering. Priorities. Yeah, God doesn't care if you have a nice car, but if you're if you're poor because all your money's going to Chrysler and everything else, that's probably your priorities are out of whack. There's a nice uh, there's a, a nice uh, uh, financial plan that John Avanzini taught us, you know, years ago. It's called the Good Plan. The Good Plan. Get out of debt. the good plan i subscribe to that honey what do those bills keep coming for credit card one credit card two credit card three here a credit card there a credit card everywhere a credit card yeah they don't mind 30 percent interest why not (laughs) where's all that money go how do you think they build 75-story bank buildings? 
<laughs> charging America 30% interest, and we just kind of sheep led to the slaughter, and don't even question that. But when, when the preacher talks about sowing of first fruits, then we're arguing. <laughs> we can't see the benefit. But there is a benefit. And may God open the eyes of our understanding so that we can see with spiritual eyes, not just with Madison Avenue eyes. You know Madison Avenue in New York. That's the big marketing. They're trained to use psychology to get you to think about their deal. And then when preachers try to get you to think about God's deal, then we're arguing. But when when Madison Avenue's talking, we're lusting. <laughs> but when God's people are talking, then we're mad. All those preachers do is want your money. And then Google ranks the, a lot of those arguers uh, f- on the first page of the search. When you oh the blessed oh that's a scam that Larry Huck that they're just scamming you. And they put those they give those that guy said something twelve years ago, and they're still ranking them on the first page. And then you click on it, not you, but people click on it because they're looking for an out, a loophole. You're not looking for a loophole when you give Chrysler $9,000 or your lease is $1,200. i got to escalate. I'm cool. I got, well, it costs me $1,200 a month. Well, if you can afford it, hallelujah. I like that. I'd love to drive uh, a big, big car. But I'm not going to put my family in debt and because the Bible says that the, uh, uh, the debtor is servant to the lender. So, you know, think about that. Amen. So three times a year, we come before the Lord. And just like your tithe, your stedka offering, your first fruit offering is a key part of God's financial plan. And it has benefits you can't buy on prime. Okay? It just does. I mean, you know, uh, the, uh, when I give to the, the work of the Lord and have all of heaven behind me, I like things working out for me. And when things don't work out for me, usually God will show me if I'm open where I missed it. Here's why that didn't work out for you, son. You were secretly, you had a hidden agenda on all that. Oh, I'm sorry, I repent. Let's get that squared away. Window of heaven, come around quick, will you? <laughs> I want a do over. <laughs> But three times a year. And it relates to one of the favorite Scriptures I've always had, Luke 6.38. This is from the easy-to-read version. Give to others, and you will receive. Is that easy enough to understand God's plan? Give to others, and you will receive. God will be no man's debtor. In fact, it goes on, easy to read. You will be given much. Give, and you will be given much. It will be poured into your hands. More than you can hold. You will be given so much that it will spill into your lap. The way you give to others is the way God will give to you. Yeah? That's God's... That kind of sums up God's financial plan. Amen? 
And it's the essence of how we enter into abundant life. That's different than how we enter into eternal life. Right? We enter into eternal life, Romans 10, 9, and 10. If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, right, you'll be saved. But here it's different. Uh, and being a blessing always precedes receiving a blessing. And look, there's unlimited ways God can bring a blessing into your life. Uh, that's why you don't want to limit how God can do it. If you're just in, you know, the devil likes us to have tunnel vision. This is the only way and the only timeline God can use for me to be satisfied. Well, now you've limited how God can do it, and you might be the one. It's not the devil blocking the blessing. It's your limited faith and vision blocking the blessing. We're blaming God. Well, God, probably to do it. Preacher, probably to do it. And yet, maybe it was you with tunnel vision. The problem is we're not thinking big enough. The problem is we're thinking uh, too small. Right? Well, I got my hopes up and it didn't work. Lather, rinse, and repeat. God will work it out. But He's never going to work it out if I'm the one murmuring and bellyaching and complaining and arguing. You don't build a life of faith and victory built on bellyaching and murmuring and arguing and complaining. and <laughs> Right? Ever been around somebody that's, that's how they sound? <laughs> Nails on a chalkboard. Not going to build faith. You're not going to build the right mindset. The God-insided mind. Right? You're going to build a devil-insided mind. Well, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil, the devil. Shut up! <laughs> I don't want to hear about the devil. <laughs> I want to hear about the blessing of God. And at Sukkot, God gives us many promises. Here's seven major promises, spiritual and financial, that are embedded into the Feast of Tabernacles. Uh, a lot of this comes from Malachi 3, but a lot of this comes from Joel chapter 2, which is the early and the latter rain. That's the number one thing. Number one promise at Sukkot. Uh, God promises rain. And just so that we would uh, realize that He's on our side, what's it doing outside right now in Dallas, Texas, while we're in church talking about Sukkot and the blessing? It's raining out! Glory to God! Thank you, Father! And the rain represents uh, abundant life. Look, in Israel, uh, if you've never been there, Israel is dusty roads. Not the wrestler. And during uh, the time in the summer, uh, up until about this time, it is just, the land is parched. It's like desert. And Israel needs rain. And that rain requires faith. 
And if we'll have faith in God, God, you are the God, Jehovah Jireh. You are El Shaddai, the all-sufficient one. And I thank you for rain in my life. And outpouring and overwhelming abundance of rain. The early rain, the latter rain, a double rain, a double blessing. And I just thank you, Lord, that that rain is bringing a, a spiritual abundance, a financial abundance, favor and blessing prosperity, canceled debt, more anointing, salvation, deliverance, redemption. Let it rain! Let it rain! Number two is overflowing restoration. That's another thing out of Joel. Chapter 2, I will restore to you during this season whatever all those worms were eating away. I don't, we, we could do a study later on what they all represent, but just the picture of worms eating away your harvest, you know, I mean, it's just not a, a let, thank you, Lord, that right now, whatever the devil has stolen in our lives is coming back. It's being restored. It's not lost. God knows He's kept good books. What your great grandpa should have had, what your great grandpa and grandma, what your grandpa and grandma should have had, your family. Maybe the devil came in and stole their property, stole their business, stole their invention. They stole their money. They stole their destiny. That's all coming back into your life and into your children, your grandchildren. It's being restored in the name of the Lord. Come on. Overflowing joy, another promise of Sukkot, right? The blessing of the Lord maketh a man or a woman what? I Say what? Rich. Rich. Richy rich. And adds no sorrow to it. Can't have much joy if if uh, uh, you got you're filled with all these sorrows, right? And the devil will try to make your life a sorrowful life, focusing on all the sorrow, and you never focus on the joy of the Lord that is your strength, the opportunity, the potential, the possibilities that God has for all of us. His word, His promises are yes and amen. And when the presence of God, the power of God, the promise of God, uh, promises of God manifest, then all of a sudden you, you get a little smile on your face. You might even get that leg of moving during praise and worship. And all of a sudden the hands get to clapping. And the voice gets to singing. And you go to making a joyful noise before the Lord. Why? Because you got a vision, a revelation, a knowledge that you know in your heart. My God is a good God. My God will bless my life with abundant life, a quality life, an influential life. Amen. Number four, overflowing blessing. Overflowing financial blessing. One of the great first fruit scriptures is from Proverbs 3. 
In Proverbs 3, 9, it says, Honor the Lord with your possessions and with your first fruits. Talking about just that lifestyle of giving. Yeah. So your barns will be filled with plenty. Good and plenty. That promise speaks to the physical blessing, the financial blessing, increasing in your life at Sukkot. I'm drawing near to God with the revelation. I'm drawing near to God with my first fruits. And now there's these promises. Some of it will happen automatically, but a lot of it you need to contend. Like with financial blessing, you can't go out and blow it all at the car dealership. And now all of your discretionary income is wrapped up paying Ford or General Motors or Mercedes. Right? We just pick on that, but we could pick on a lot of things. Buying a, a, a too much of a house. And some predatory lenders will let you buy an extra fifty, seventy-five, hundred thousand dollars, jack up the payment. Well, you don't have to make any payments for the first ninety days. But then when the ninety days is up and all of a sudden the first payment comes and you could really only handle fifteen hundred dollars a month and now you got twenty eight hundred dollars a month, how do I pay for my baby's food? See, so we need wisdom. It's just not, well, gimme, 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 God. Gimme, 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 God. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Yeah. So we need to use the blessing wisely, right? You know, there may be times when you splurge here and there, but my family doesn't splurge as much as we should. Because even though we could do that, I know that uh, right now I don't have enough to do everything. People want to just do everything. And we'll just cross that other bridge when we come to it. If we even think that far ahead. No, we got to be a little more calculated in how we manage. We need wisdom. We need to be good stewards and manage our money wisely. Well, I spent $7,000 on a vacation. Well, I hope you had fun. Now that the vacation's over, you got any money in your retirement account? They, they say uh, that most people only have $1,000 in the bank or less. Right? Half of America, my age, have a thousand dollars in the bank or less because we just haven't had the biblical wisdom. And even in church, we've confused prosperity with buying everything in sight, paying for it on credit, and, and then God's going to cancel the debt. <laughs> well, if you see that happen, come tell me. Because I've been in this thing since the 80s. Know a lot of people. And yeah, there might be a spattering of things. Well, he got an inheritance. She won the lottery. This, that, or the other thing. But most of us uh, have to do it the old-fashioned way. You save it. (laughs) I got one amen and a holy murmur. 
But that doesn't negate that God wants to bless us financially. Just be wise stewards. Wise stewards. My priorities are in order. God comes first. 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 Number five, overflowing spiritual blessing. So in addition to the financial promise in Proverbs 3, that when we honor the Lord with our first fruits, your vats will overflow with new wine. And this speaks to that spiritual blessing of anointing, of power, of influence. Spiritually, you are dominating instead of being dominated. Amen? And some of that dominating is responding in love and peace and grace when the circumstances are really... Like you're the football coach in a tight game on the sidelines and the referee throws the flag on your team and this may cost you the game and you're just about ready and your whole team is watching. What's the coach going to do? What's dad going to do? How's mom going to react? How's the boss going to react in this stressful situation? And if you manage that spiritually with wisdom and with uh, self-control and discipline and patience and love, all of a sudden you pass the big test. And that thing will always come back to you in the future. You know what? I did it once and I can do it again. I did it once and I can do it again. Number six, we covered this in Malachi 3. You sow your first fruit and God says, I'll open the windows of heaven. And there's a pouring out of blessing. There's no telling what kind of blessing. There's some blessings that you don't even know you received. Right? You didn't know you had angels watching over you and one day you were going this way and the the Spirit of God and the angels of the Lord directed your path another way and you avoided disaster over here and you never knew it. The open windows of heaven means a lot of different things, right? Like I I heard of uh, somebody who just got a big... Uh, I think insurance check from an insurance company. They didn't even know they had it coming. They had just sown their first fruits, and all of a sudden, uh, it's like when you pull that, ever play Monopoly, and you pulled out of the community, you know, you receive $400. (laughs) How'd that happen? You just, that card just have, you know, I don't know if God will even change things. God can change natural circumstances on your behalf. Open with and number 7, that's not enough. Malachi 3 says it's not enough that I'm going to bless you abundantly. I'm going to make sure that the devourer keeps his hands off your blessing. Now some of that happens automatically. But most of the time and this is where Christians don't want to work that hard. I want to go to the church where they say I don't have to work at all. The only place that work uh, that success comes before work is in the dictionary. <laughs> There's things you got to work at, like your prayer life. Yeah? 
And a lot of times in your prayer life, when you're studying to rightly divide the Word of God, so you, what principle applies to what situation? Well, that's a life that requires a master's. Well, I don't want no master's degree. Everything I learned, I learned in kindergarten, and that's as far as I'm going. And I'm, if you make me go to first grade, I'm not going to like it at all. And that's what we find ourselves a lot of times in the church. Now, no one here resembles that remark because there's no way you get up in the rain on a Sunday morning when it's still dark out, get all dressed and cleaned up, and come to early morning Torah study and prayer because you're lazy. So God has something special for you today. Amen. This is why it's the season of our happiness. The season of our joy. Because all these promises that we just went through are available. The opportunity's there. Now we just have to learn how to lay hold of it. We've talked a little bit about doing that. Right? Well done, thou good and faithful servant. He didn't say, glad you sat on your rusty dusty. Welcome into the joy of the Lord. Well done. Well, I'm too busy doing all these other things. Well, then you're too busy. Right? If you're too busy to do it God's way, you got way too busy. So, uh, now uh, this season of happiness, the joy of the Lord, it's building all this joyfulness, this thankfulness, this fulfillment in our lives. And as we move forward into the new year, we got to keep this in our thoughts and prayers. Ever said that to somebody going through something? You're in my thoughts and prayers. What's in your thoughts and prayers for your own life? Right now, what should be in your thoughts and prayers is what's going on at the time of Sukkot. And that includes everything, including these seven promises. Philippians 4, 6 says, don't worry about anything. Why? Because i got all these promises on my side. But in all your prayers, in all your prayers, not in that one prayer that you prayed when you were a kid, I learned how to pray, now I lay me down to sleep. Hallelujah! we got to get past the now I lay me. In all your prayer, in all manner of prayer. You mean there's different kinds of prayers? Yeah, there's all kinds of prayers. You ask for God, what, uh, ask God for what you need, and always ask Him with a thankful heart. Because that's how you release the power of God over your life. Now, if I were you in this praise and worship coming up in about uh, 20 minutes, I'd get to singing and dancing and praising and shouting and stir myself up and fan a flame of the Holy Ghost and fire and not just go through the motions. It's through prayer and thanksgiving and we'll add in the praise. That's how you put an end to worry. That's how anxiety starts to diminish. When you, through prayer and thanksgiving, you begin to focus on the promises of God. And they're, they're good. They're yes and amen. And that's what creates the uh, atmosphere for breakthrough. And then we just get up the next day and do it all over again. <laughs> amen. So let's come into agreement.
right? Let's come into agreement for an outpouring of the Sukkot blessing in your life. Let's come into agreement that the Lord of the harvest is going to honor His Word and pour these things out. And then, as we know, God always does exceedingly, abundantly, above all we could ask or pray. Amen? Father, we bless You today. And thank You that You are a gracious Father, Jehovah Jireh, El Shaddai, the Lord of the harvest. And You desire to pour out upon us on this seventh day of tabernacles the power, the presence, and the promises that You've given us. Father, we've sown our first fruits in faith. We have a thankful heart. We're joyful and expecting great things this coming year. And we thank You you're helping us. You're blessing us with a quality life, an abundant life, a blessed life, a joyful life, a life of faith, a life of power, a life of miracles, a life of strength, a life of victory in every area. We bind and rebuke the the devourer from stealing our blessing. We release the presence and power of the Holy Ghost and the Word of God to cause us to just walk at a higher level than we've ever walked before. And we give You all the praise and glory in the name of Yeshua. Let me pray the Sukkot blessing. Here it is. Blessed are You, Lord our God, King of the universe, who tells us to uh, shake the lulav at this appointed time. And Father, we know that You're covering us from head to toe. We know that You're covering us with Your blessing. We know that You're covering us with Your mercy and grace. We know that You're covering us in every area of life. The blessing of God. The joy of God. Spiritual blessing. Financial blessing in every way is coming our way over our life, our finances, our health, our business in every way. The devil is defeated. God is exalted. Promises are manifesting. We call them in from the north, the south, the east, and the west and give You glory and worship and honor in the name of Yeshua. Amen and Amen. Give the Lord a big praise! Amen! Remember Wednesday night, American Heritage Series with Lydia and me. And remember the primetime formal coming up in about four weeks. We love you. God bless you. Happy Sukkot.